Blog Talk Radio. There we go. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Yeah. Must be. There he is. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. Welcome to the show. It is Thursday something something. I forgot what day it was. The 10th. 2020. That's right. The 10th. 20. September 10th. The 10th. Yeah. Welcome to the show. And Eastern time, 7 p.m. 1900 hours. Yeah, uh, oh, very good. Uh, 1900 hours. Um, I think we use that from now on. That, <laughs> cool, that would confuse that. everybody. That would confuse you. Know, <laughs> yeah, it would confuse people. In 1900 okay. hours. And I go, what? Now, I know. But I'm back this week. Had. Uh, Medic, medical issue last week. Actually, I had I have gout. Yeah, thank you, thank you, oh, thank you, oh, Busby Bike. Yeah, Add to the gout. You're right. No, yeah, no fun. Gout is no. nasty stuff. I I pity all of you out there who are fighting gout, who have gout, who are trying to control oh. it. It is nasty stuff, and so you have my deepest sympathy. Um. We have a guest tonight, Randy. Well, there we go. I said I wasn't going to try to pronounce the name. I guess I'm going to have to. Randy Olam, U-L-L-O-M. Randy Olam. He is the winemaker at Kendall Jackson. Yeah, I'm sure you all have heard of Kendall Jackson. He is the winemaker at Kendall Jackson. Been there for like ever. Uh, he's been making wine since the 70s with Kendall Jackson, so 28 years. But we're going to talk about a few things and all that. Uh, specifically, a New York Times wine columnist by the name of Frank J. Priel, who came out with a column about 25 years ago. We're celebrating 25th anniversary. Actually, August 30th when he did. Said, anything but Chardonnay, ABC, anything but Chardonnay. Big, big movement. A lot of people caught on to that. So we're going to talk about that. Randy is the Chardonnay maker for Kendall Jackson. Well, so we'll get deeper into that. But we got some exciting stuff coming up. I hope I say uh, we have some exciting stuff. I've been talking to other people. We had a guest on. Uh, what was it, a couple of, about a month ago, I guess. And he was, was fun. Jim, uh, Jim Wolfren. 
uh, was a guest. He's a writer and uh, about wine and stuff. He was on and talked with us. Well, I received a notice that he is he has written a couple of online books, uh, short reads, fifteen minute, twenty minute reads. One about red wine and one about white wine. Simple, easy, very, uh, you know, informative, educational. So, there are 50, it's a, the 15-minute guide to white wine and the 15-minute guide to red wine. He's going to be back on the show sometime in October to promote it. He's doing a promotion to the end of the year from October to the end of the year. So Jim's going to be back. We may be giving away a couple of them as prizes. I don't know how we're going to do that, uh, but somehow we'll, I'm not going to give you any trivia or anything like that. But he is, uh, you know, talk about color, flavor, regions, and a lot more in these books. He's really, really, well, he was the guest. Go back and listen to the show. You'll see how interesting he is. Well, he's got these two new e-books now. So we will be doing more with Jim and doing another show with him and talking about the books. And we'll also get into some other things, too, because well, the man, without question, is quite knowledgeable, and it's always fun. So that's coming up sometime in October and we also have uh this see here it is Amanda Goodwin. Amanda got in touch with me about orange wine. She is the founder of the Real House Wine and she used to do Orange Day, Orange Wine Day every year. And this year, she's expanded it to Orange Wine Week. Orange Wine Day used to be October the 6th, and now Orange Wine Week is October the 5th to the 10th. So, we are going to try to get Amanda on in a week or so, talking about orange wine, what it's all about, uh, all the aspects of it and everything, and get us informed about that so we can all enjoy Orange wine, and it's not just orange where I made an orange wine at Florida State Winery where I took oranges and fermented and blended with white grapes. This is orange wine is actually referred to as taking red grapes and leaving them on skin contact for a shorter period of time than, so they don't turn red, they turn orange. And it's very popular, actually. There's quite a few of them out there. Um, not a rosé, but an orange. So. That's coming yeah, up. I remember, I remember Jim sorry. was on. Uh, I, I, think, I think it's. I think it's Jim uh, Lochran. Uh, is how I had yeah. it pronounced. Um, That's right. Certified it was a wine educator. Yeah, uh, certified wine educator and author, and uh, yeah, he was a really good guest. And uh, yeah, so go back on the archives, and you can catch up to that, and then visit us that way. We do have somebody on hold right now, listening into the show. So, oh. what time is it? Uh, it's only a few minutes after seven. Where are we? Mm-hmm. We are right here. Well, I've been coming early. If that's him, let me 
go let's bring him in and see if that's Randy. Uh, Hi guys. Hello, Randy. How you Randy. doing? I'm doing you great. Know. How are you guys doing? Doing fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. First question, how do you pronounce your last name? Olam. Olam. Okay. Well, I was right. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, U-L-L-O-M. It's a tough one. It's, a, it's, a, it's like mine, Hunt. You know, I mean, I, I just, whenever I, they say, what's your name? I go, Ron Hunt. And they go, what's your name? Because I think I say Ron, huh? And so, you know, <laughs> I went through that my whole life. <laughs> so I always spell it, Ron Hunt, H-U-N-T. So, all right. Um Enough of that. Welcome to the show. Glad you can take the time to join us tonight. Oh, it's an honor and a pleasure. Yeah, you uh, you have yourself quite a resume uh, for it. Would you, uh, before we get into the topic of ABC, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got up to where you are right now? Well, I guess it kind of, I hate to admit it, but it may have started in uh in high school where, you know, we, uh, we may or may not have been drinking at that age, but I, I, uh, (laughs) I headed for (laughs) wine versus beer and that continued. And I was the odd man out of course. And then that continued in, in college, uh, at the, uh, in Utah, Salt Lake city, Utah, where I was studying uh, mining engineering uh, with a minor in skiing. Uh, which got me into a bit of trouble with my with my parents, and and then one thing led to another, and I ended up going down to continue my sort of ski season in uh, in in Chile. Oh, <laughs> not realizing or even knowing that it was a wine country, it was more to ski. And then I got there, and I realized everyone was expected to be enjoying wine. Where in America, you know, back in the the uh, early seventies, it, it was it wasn't quite the case. And so I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. And I, and I went for a month and ended up staying three years. And I, I learned oh. a lot about uh, wine and the distribution and growing grapes and making wine and all this and drinking wine, of course. And, and then I met this gal whose uh, father took me under his wing and taught me everything he knew about fine wines, the wines of the world and, and food. And then um, that was in the you know early seventies and it was the, um, um, a, uh, sort of a socialist communist regime at the time, which mm-hmm. got overthrown. And I was there for the coup and it, and it went, and then it was a military coup and it wasn't as much fun. So I left <laughs> and came up to the States and uh, decided to change my career path from, from uh, mining to, to the, the viticulture analogy, the, the science of grape growing and, and wine making. And by then I was, you know, f- totally focused and serious. Went through, got a degree in both, and spent a, almost a year working in o- up Ohio, and then five years in upstate New York. And then realized that was sort of a kind of a dead end street there. And then they didn't have the great varieties that I was more interested in. And I moved out to California in 1981, and started working with Deloach Vineyards in the Russian River Valley in Sonoma County. Mm-hmm. And I was there for 12 and a half years. Wow. And then in 1993, uh, Jess Jackson uh, enticed me to come work uh, with him, and I've been at the at Jack, Kendall Jackson, now uh, part of Jackson Family Wines, uh, to this date. And in the beginning, I did a, all, a lot of the international startups for the company in Chile, Argentina, Australia, Italy. And then he asked me, after a couple of years of that, to take over Kendall Jackson. 
which was uh, uh, an absolute blast because we have all these great vineyards up and down the cool coast of, of California, and, it, and the company is more focused really on the land and the vineyards than anything else. And so that was great, and Jess, uh, though he passed away about seven years ago, but the company continues to be a family uh, company with Barbara Banke at the helm, uh, his, his, his wife, uh, and it's all been always all about uh, quality, 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 and you can't go wrong with that. Kendall Jackson is enormous. Uh, you know, it is one of the biggest wineries in California right now. Uh, plus, all their subsidiaries that they have fingers in all around the world. Uh, it, it just—I don't think people understand how large Kendall Jackson is and all the stuff that they do. It's uh, the wines they make and all that is. Well, yeah, I mean, within the Jackson Family Wine portfolio, there's probably 50 brands, you know, 40 wow. plus, plus in, you know, in, in, in America, and then, of course, you know, a handful around the world. And the neat thing is, you know, for every brand, there is a winemaker, there is a wine style, there are specific vineyards, there are specific blocks uh, for all of these brands. Kendall Jackson, of course, is the largest in the group. Uh, followed by uh, La Crema and, and then Murphy, Murphy Good. But it all started with uh, Kendall Jackson and our, our little old Chardonnay that we make uh, that's been the, <laughs> the number one selling Chardonnay for probably, I don't know, 27 years or so, something like that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really a, the mainstay uh, for, for America. And it's really helped a lot of people uh, during, during these times uh, because – with the COVID and the this and the that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a wine that people understand and, and appreciate and, and know that that quality is going to be there year in and year out. And that's, that's what I'm enjoying tonight. I got myself uh, a bottle of uh, Kendall Jackson Chardonnay Reserve 2018. I opened up and I'm enjoying that tonight. It's uh, Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, very, cons- it's very good. Very consistent. All that. Uh, I've had for a while there, I, I was detecting a little bit too much acid in the Chardonnays, and that seems to have mellowed out, and this really gives some great flavors and great taste, and uh, the acid is well-balanced, and I just really enjoy the Kendall Jackson Chardonnay. Oh, well, thank you. Well, part of our part of our uh, secret to our, our success in, in this wine is that all of our vineyards, if you're familiar with the state of California, are along the cool coast. There's nothing in the Central Valley or the Sierras. And then along that cool coast, we go from uh, in the north part, you know, Mendocino. Uh, we have vineyards in Lake County, but that's just for Sauvignon Blanc and Sauvignon. But uh, Mendocino is a lot of Chardonnay. Sonoma County, a lot of Chardonnay. A little kiss there uh, from the uh, Carneros area. So you've got different flavors. So going back to the beginning, you know, Mendocino County gives you sort of that crisp green uh, apple, uh, Russian River Sonoma is the ripe apple. Uh, Carneros is, gives you the pear and the pear oil viscosity. Then you go down to Monterey County in that area, you get a lot of the lemon and lime tones. And then you drop down to Santa Barbara County. Again, all along the cool coast, you get all the tropical uh, mango and papaya, uh, both aromas and flavors. And then what we do to really build this wine 
is it's about 93 to 95% uh, barrel fermented in real barrels. No, no, no cheating here. And they're <laughs> maybe half French and uh, half American. And so the juice goes into those barrels and ferments. And then when the fermentation is done, we top the barrels up and it, we allow the wine to go through the secondary fermentation, which not to get too geeky, but that's the malolactic fermentation that gives you the butter tone and softens right. the palate. And then also, since it fermented in the barrels, we have all the, you know, the, the yeast that ate the, the sugar and converted it to, to alcohol and CO2. Once they run out of sugar, they, they kind of die and they fall to the bottom of the barrel and change their name to Lee's. And so we stir this light powder, this sort of fluffy lees uh, once a month that adds sort of a silky essence uh, to the side of the palate. So with all that, uh, you've got all these great aromas and great flavors, a kiss of butter, a kiss of toast from, from the barrels, uh, the silky essence in the palate. So it looks good, it smells good, it tastes good, and, 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 and then sometimes the finish, well, not sometimes, the finish always is quite long. And, and then you maybe don't believe how long it is, and it just beckons you to take another sip. You know, a couple of sips lead to a glass, a couple of glasses to a bottle, and voila. You're finishing. You want more. I know. That's the way it works. Yeah. Um, you mentioned all the – Let me add one more thing sure. about the coast, though. It, 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 the, the reason the coast is so important is – you have actually you know, a lot of mountains and hills along the coast, so the soils are a little poorer, which makes you know, greater flavors in the grapes. But really the most important thing is the fog that comes in every, mm. almost every evening and kind of cools everything down, and it's still there in the morning usually more often than not. So when the sun comes up, it's still cool, and it's not really beating down on the grapes, so they're not getting the full effect of photosynthesis. And so it, it takes a little bit longer to get the grapes ripe, in these cool, this cool climate, and that's the most important part because the longer it takes to get a grape ripe, the more incredible natural flavors you get in that grape, and that natural acid you were talking about uh, is maintained. So the, the coast and fog are is, is key and tantamount to to uh, a quality wine, especially the Chardonnay. Do, do you have any individual? areas that you do a Chardonnay or are you blending all the time? I mean, you mentioned all the way from Sonoma, Russian River, all the way down to, well, Monterey and South. Do you keep anything separate or do you just blend everything? No, no, no. Well, no, no. We actually, this is the the irony, you know, uh, we don't have really big tanks for starters. So we keep, with all of these different vineyards, you have different blocks within the vineyards. We keep all the blocks separate as separate lots and uh-huh. for the vintners reserve it could be you know maybe a thousand lots 900 or a thousand lots that actually are kept separate but ultimately get blended into the vintners reserve uh, level and then we have a gram reserve level which is like our favorite sort of six percent of those lots uh for as an example if we're just talking about chardonnay uh, right. we we do a gram Chardonnay from Santa Barbara County and then we do our Appalachian tier the Jackson Estate uh, Appalachian tier we have a Chardonnay from the uh, Santa Maria Valley which is part of Santa Barbara County and then we also do individual vineyard designates uh, Camelot 
which is like the fillet of the fillets from the Santa Maria Valley, Camelot Vineyard. We have the Seiko Highlands from Monterey, which is very floral. We have our Cloud Landing Chardonnay from the Petaluma Gap, which is rich and unctuous. We have the Fulton Chardonnay where our wine center is in the midst of the Russian River Valley. And we have uh, a Chardonnay from one of our favorite vineyards up in the Anderson Valley up in uh, Mendocino County. So we get very, very specific on little vineyard designates. And also the pinnacle of our winemaking desire is, of course, stature. And and that is a, a blend of two two specific vineyards, basically seven barrels, our favorite seven barrels, and, and out of our hundred thousand barrels that we have for Chardonnay. Wow! So and that's just the Chardonnay side, and of course that is the largest. But we do a similar similar thing with the uh, with the uh, Pinot Noir, and then because the Pinot Noir. Uh, is a cool climate grape also. So basically everything I said, except for the flavor profiles uh, holds true with Pinot along the cool coast. <laughs> and then for the Bordeaux side of the equation, that's truly North coast. We don't believe you should really, for, from our perspective and our taste and, and desires, we don't source anything South of the golden gate bridge, uh, oh. South of San Francisco. So all our Bordeaux varieties come from, either uh, Sonoma, uh, Napa, or a little bit from Mendocino. And, and all, all, you know, basically all of our vineyards are considered mountains, ridges, hillsides, or benches um, for, for elevational purposes uh, because we believe great wines uh, will come from vineyards with wonderful views. And then the other part, you know, the most important part is the soil and the dirt and the location. And so, you know, vineyards with elevation tend to they get cooler, of course, with elevation, and the and the soils are less, um, oh, not as rich and productive, which is good because we're not into production; we're into quality uh, on the grapes. So quality comes with a lower yield, and and especially with the reds, you know, with smaller berries. So that's our theory, and we're sticking to it. Yeah, but you you mentioned something there, which I have to admit I had no idea the number of Chardonnays that Kendall Jackson produces. How many different oh, yeah. ind- individual brands does Kendall Jackson produce on Chardonnay? And why is it that, well, I can understand you can't find them all on all the shelves because that would be you know, logistically insane. But how many different ones do, do you all produce? Well, for just Kendall Jackson for the Chardonnay, I, I, I should have written it all down, but and I should know it by heart. But <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say nine, probably nine, nine. different Chardonnays or nine ten. different. And so, you know, the Vintners Reserve you can get in all the stores and, and restaurants. Grand Reserve the same. The uh, the Appalachian Santa Maria Valley is was really designed for restaurants, but. But now you know, they're having a hard time these days, so we do have some for stores. And then the really small ones, like the Camelot, you can find that in you know, your, your fine, fine dining and you know, elite uh, store. The Seikos, the Fultons, the Cloud Landings, where there's maybe only 500 or so cases. If you want to get those, you have to either go online, kj.com, or even better, uh, come out and visit us at our Kendall Jackson Wine Estate and Gardens that we have in the Santa Rosa area. And uh-huh. there you can come and visit and tour our gardens. We have chefs on site and we do food and wine pairings. So that's where you really get to taste a lot of these little jewels 
uh, that you probably won't find uh, out in the marketplace. Ah, that's this why, yes. I noticed a lot of those were designated for restaurants, and that's probably one of the reasons why you don't see them sitting on the store shelves. First visit I ever had to Kendall Jackson was in 1970, I want to say, four. Uh, yeah, I lived in California at the time, and uh, 70, yeah, 74, 75. First visit I ever did to Kendall Jackson. And I love the estates, loved and all that. I'm sure it's completely different now after all these years. But a uh, beautiful place there, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, that's going way back down memory lane. That's when Jeff yeah. first, first really got going. And it's kind of an interesting story because he was maybe, I don't know, 50 years old or so. And he was a, an accomplished land-grant attorney uh, living in San Francisco, working in the Bay Area. And he, you know, summers in, in San Francisco uh, can, are quite cold because of this, yes. this fog. And <laughs> yeah. so, you know, some people say that, gosh, the, the coldest day I ever remember was a summer's day in San Francisco. So <laughs> for his family at the time, they, he wanted to find a place to go where there was sun and warmth on weekends. And he ended up finding a little ranch up in uh, Lake County, about an hour, well, maybe two hours actually, uh, north of the Golden Gate Bridge. And he purchased that and it had some some uh, pears and some grapes on it. And he planted some more grapes and he actually had some Chardonnay there, which we, you know, we wouldn't dream of putting Chardonnay there today uh, <laughs> after everything we've learned over the past number of decades. But but it was there, and and he 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 got into this in the you know mid seventies, and he was selling his grapes to Barney Fetzer, and became sort of a gentleman farmer there, and had a nice you know weekend uh, place to go. And then there was a grape glut, which means you know not enough uh, wine sales and, and too many grapes. So the Fetzer canceled his contract and and Jess was a kind of a stubborn guy. And he said, I'll be darned if I'm going to just let my grapes hang. So he decided to make wine, got got some friends and some consultants to kind of help him to figure out how to do this. And one thing led to another and he he made a a Chardonnay that he really liked. He also studied like, like crazy, you know, all about winemaking and, and France and flavors and just how to do it. And so he did this, and then he went out on a limb and decided to bottle it, which, you know, at the end of the day, anybody can make wine. The, the, the right. trick is to sell it. And so he learned that real quick. So, he, you know, he, 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 was a, he, he, was a, he was a gambler, not the kind of gambler that goes to a casino, but he will make a, you know, a long-term visionary bet on things, be it land or whatever. And, you know, 999 times out of 1,000, He'll he'll hit the jackpot, and so he made I think it was like ten or twenty thousand cases of Chardonnay, which is a huge amount. And right. Of course, now you got to sell it, and so he took uh, some wine to uh, New York City. Oh. And the, and every state in America is like a different country, so he had to find a distributor, someone to sort of basically import it to New York from California. So <laughs> the trick is to go to the distributor and kind of say, okay, do you like my wine? Will you take my wine? Will you be my my uh, wholesaler. Well, there, I don't know, the day, maybe 14 there. And he went to every single one, one by one. And they all said, no, because you know, oh. he was an upstart. 
And, you know, you have all this wine. You know, the East Coast really likes Europe better than California at the end of the day back then. And so everybody was saying no and blah, blah, blah. So he gets to the last guy, Leonardo, and he says, you know, this is it. There's no place else to go. And, and, and Jess is turned down by this last distributor. And so he's so flustered and frustrated, he, he asked the guy, okay, I'll make you a bet. I'll make you a deal. If you give me your worst salesperson for the day tomorrow, we're going to go out and sell, you know, this hundred cases of wine, whatever it was that he had there. And if we can't sell it, I will come back and say, thank you for you know, letting me try this. And uh, you'll never see me again. Or if we sell all this wine, you're going to be our, our distributor. And the guy just laughed and said, yeah, go ahead, <laughs> Jess, go for it. And so lo and behold, off he goes the next day. And, and Jess had and always had this, this great sort of spirit and energy and in, in, in his demeanor and his eyes and this tremendous passion. You, know, you could almost never say no uh, to the to, to the fellow, but anyway, so out they go, and their first uh, stop was the Grand Central uh, Oyster Bar in Grand Central Terminal, wow. and, and they loved it. Of course, they have you know a lot of lobster and nice rich sauces that are paired perfectly with Chardonnay. So they made a great sale there, and actually, we're still there to this day, oh, really? uh, selling yeah. both the Vintners Reserve and the Grand Reserve and our Santa Maria Valley Chardonnay. And then he went to a few other places, and lo and behold, they sold everything they had. And the rest <laughs> is history. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, that, it had to be, you know, I was thinking, let's see, I had to be in the, the, around 75, 76 that I visited there. So he must have just started. He must have just had the. He started that. You probably went all the way up to Lake County, to Lake Park, yes. where he you know, created a little winery. He had a little tasting room. The original sign is still there to this day. In fact, ah. we call that winery uh, T-O-K-J, the original Kendall Jackson. And we bottled wine there for a number of years. And then you know, as we were growing and we were buying more more vineyards and we would buy or build wineries along the way to help to help, um, you know, help work with the grapes and, and, and get them uh, juiced and into barrels. You know, we ended up with a, a slew of places along the coast and ultimately you know, moved our bottling line from Lake County to Sonoma County uh, to the Healdsburg area. And then ultimately where I'm sitting right now is, is just in the hair north of Santa Rosa. This is like oh. a heart and soul of Kendall Jackson here. But we just kept on growing and growing and growing. But all the while, we never changed our, our methodology of barrel fermentation, uh, small lot, uh, small lots for blending purposes. One of the things that, that became an issue in the beginning was you know, we were growing so fast and we're questioning the quality of some of the oak and the barrels from France that we realized, he basically realized, we better do something to guarantee our, our barrel sourcing or we're going to, if we grow out of <laughs> that, our style's going to change and everything's going to you know, come down crashing around us. And so with uh, another family, a different family in the barrel business uh, in Missouri, um, we, we partnered with them and bought some land at an old mill in the upper north 
uh, what north east corner of, of France, and that's where we source all of our French oak and and age it there uh, in mm-hmm. France, and then we bring it to to uh, America and convert the staves into barrels to guarantee that source. So we're we're very very focused on on the origins of everything, the origins of the of the soils, the origins of the vineyards, the source, the the you know the, the most critical parts. Uh, the, you know, the, the dirt, the site, the vineyard, the trees, the forest, and the barrels uh, to maintain our, our quality uh, profile. And you have done so very well over the years, if I may say. Like I say, I first visited back there in mid-'70s, and uh, it's I've been a Kendall Jackson imbiber since then, not just with the Chardonnay, but with many of your varieties. Speaking of Chardonnay, we thank you for that. Oh, you're you're quite welcome. I, that's probably I'm one of the reasons why you've been the number one selling Chardonnay for so long. Um, but <laughs> on August 30th, uh, 25 years ago, the New York Times had a writer, a wine columnist by the name of Frank Perrault, who wrote a column called. Anything but Chardonnay, the ABC movement, and it sort of caught on across this country, and people were getting away from Chardonnay. Your thoughts on that? Well, that was interesting because in that era, Chardonnay was truly uh, catching on or had caught on, and sometimes when things really catch on, a lot of folks will get onto that bandwagon, and as they get onto that bandwagon and try to ride that wagon or get on that train, by doing so, they don't necessarily have the the quality there that's that other folks have, and so they jump on. They don't have, you know, they don't have the coastal fruit. They have other fruit, and they tend to. Um, if you don't have the fruit in the nose, you've got to have something. If it's just simple and non-existent, <laughs> nobody's going to like it. So they would throw in a, a, a lot of new oak or a yes. lot of the butter tones. Oh, my gosh, so yes. <laughs> pe- people would, were saying, oh, my God, how can, how can anybody drink this? You know, and, and Chardonnay was just growing like crazy. And, 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 and they were saying, well, I'm gonna, I don't like this anymore because of all these other – these other uh, styles and I'm going to say, and I'm going to go anti Chardonnay, anything but Chardonnay. Well, and then people were saying, Oh my God, it's going to be the end of the, of the Chardonnay world. Well, Chardonnay is so loved by so many people everywhere. And there's so many nice ways to make it that ultimately the, the sort of the outliers kind of fizzled away because they realized that there wasn't the quality behind it. And people were really looking for, for something that truly tasted like Chardonnay. And so you know, those folks were the ABC folks are now, uh, you know, they've been all converted and they're still ABC folks, but now they're always buying Chardonnay. <laughs> uh, I haven't heard that term. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I, but I, it's I never... like the, you know, one of the largest grown uh, varieties in the world and one of the, the largest um, sold, uh, you know, varieties. And so, I mean, if you, you, you can't you can't hide from it, but 
it's 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 grown in a way where pretty much all the Chardonnay is you know wonderful, uh, collectively speaking. I remember that came out in around '95, I think it was something like that. I remember. Yeah, it would when, be '95, 25 years ago. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when that came out, I remember people talking about it and why, you know, we're getting away from Chardonnay and all that stuff. And they would ask me what I thought about it. And I always told them, you know, one of the good things about that movement was that people were trying other white wines, the Sauvignon Blancs and the the Chenin Blancs and, uh, you know, uh, the Bournier, all these other white wines that people usually ignore or, slip over and grab a Chardonnay. When this came out, these other wines started to become something that people went, oh, wow, this isn't bad. And it opened up, I think, a whole new chapter of white wines in this country that hadn't been tasted before. Absolutely. Uh, And you're spot on with the Sauvignon Blanc because there was an error there back in the, uh, I want to say, sort of mid 80s to early 90s where people were saying, oh, you know, Chardonnay is going to fizzle <laughs> and, uh, and yeah. Sauvignon Blanc take over. Well, not really. Uh, or or Pinot Blanc or Pinot Gris. Well, not really. Uh, but but it did open everyone's eyes, you, you know, to, to things such as the Gewürztraminer and, and White Riesling and all these other wonderful wines. But still, Chardonnay is king and, and it always will be king. I, I stake... Anything and everything upon that. Yeah, oh yeah, without question. I also heard the ABC movement, anything but Cabernet, too. I, you know, I quite a few people were throwing that. Anything but Cabernet, or <clears throat> excuse me, anything but Cabernet or Chardonnay. And I think it was just simply because those were the big ones up there. And every time anything becomes real big and everybody's buying it, there's always a little bit of uh, envy, jealousy, and so. That was the completely on that front, envy and jealousy saying, well, why, you know, that's what everybody does mainstream. Well, I don't want to be a part of that. I'm going to, I'm going to go get my Gruner Veltliner. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. That's, that's it. Exactly. And it it was, uh, it was amazing though, because the movement stayed around longer than I expected it to. I mean, um, but you were talking about some of these big, bold, over oaked, over uh, butter chardonnays that came out then, and oh my gosh, it was just it, 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 it was like they were trying anything they could to get chardonnay different, so that people would notice it and try to u- do it. I mean, it was oh, I'm sorry, I remember those days and I didn't like them. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately. <laughs> You know, it's, it's 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 those wines that kind of ruin things for a while. But it, like in all things, you know, with time, the passage of time, it's like, you know, there was the Merlot era where Merlot was no no one really knew or even had heard of it, and and then it caught on, and then it started growing, and then it was then planted everywhere in places that it shouldn't have been planted, and and so yeah. you know, in the beginning, if you were to take a Merlot you know, cluster from every vineyard, regardless of who was growing it, uh, and made a wine out of it. It was pretty darn good, and it got better and better. And then all of a sudden, when when great vineyards were being planted in, you know, places it shouldn't be, 
very cold <laughs> or too hot. And then you throw all that, you know, you made a, a wine out of, you know, everyone uh, of vineyards together, you know, the quality started going down, down, down. And then, and then the same thing happened there where, you know, everybody realized, holy Toledo, maybe we don't like Merlot. And so they kind of, there was a movement away. And then the, it's like, you know, the cream rises to the top right. and stays around and, and the, whatever the other stuff is kind of gets washed down the, the, the river. And so now it's come back and, you know, your Merlot, you can't get a bad Merlot right now. You know, they're all fantastic. And, and it just takes a little bit of resettling. And so, you know, that's happened. You know, we've gone through that Chardonnay, ABC, we've done the Merlot. You know, the Pinot was going down that path maybe uh, 10 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. you cannot grow Pinot warm climate well heck you know that 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 happened and that's since ceased and and people realize well you know truly it needs to be along the cool area well similarly with with cab you know there are all these little cycles but at the end of the day you know quality reigns and and that's where that's where we are as kendall jackson or jackson family wines always taking the high road because we're about this for the long haul being a family-run family-owned company we're not after the quarterly income report trying to make all the shareholders happy that quarter our family uh, perspective and plan is more 10 years is near term you know 20 is sort of near it's more like you know 30 40 50 and some decisions are made for a hundred years out well you know many of us wow. don't even be around then but but yeah. the decisions today are being made for that, and and no public company does that, and that that's one nope. of the major differences. Well, they can't do that because, like you say, they got the stockholders and the board and all these other people they have to answer to, and so therefore, right, you start losing the quality of your product to appease the shareholders in that. I, you know, we can mention some wine researchers off the top of the head, which we won't, that do that, I'm afraid, and which is sad. It's really sad. Uh, the uh, cycles of wine, like you were saying, is, is very true. I mean, when uh, the movie came out and uh, Niall said that, you know, you shouldn't be drinking Merlot, I had people come into the winery all the time and say, is there anything, should we drink Merlot? Is there anything wrong with it? I mean, something as simple as a movie line can affect the uh, uh, public out there in how they respond to wines and everything. So it just, yeah, that was uh, really amazing. And so we were hoping that the sequel would have something to do with Syrah. Uh, we planted <laughs> a bunch, but then no, nope, that didn't happen. So our Syrah is now Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know it, it goes in cycles. It uh, you know as it, it, it as really the, does. You know the the golden child switches from one to the other over a period of years, and now it's this all the time, and then it becomes this, and so, and you know we learn to live with it, learn to go, you know, struggle through it, and strive for quality. Yes, yes. That's it. Um, yeah, the, no matter uh, what you do in life, always take the high road. That's all we can say. Yeah, and that's it. Uh, a few questions about Kendall Jackson and the operation. How how 
how many acres of vineyards do you all have total? I, just a guesstimate. I don't need an exact number, but I'm just curious. Yeah, in California, we're hovering around, you know, 14,000-ish. Wow. Um, there. And, you know, we're going through some redevelopment on some of the vineyards, so it might drop down to, like, you know, actually 12, 5 to, to 14, as, you know, as we're, as we're cycling them through. But that's, and that's all, again, uh, coastal. To get that 14,000, this is an interesting fact, that we have roughly, uh, actually, I don't remember precisely, but let's just say 35-ish thousand acres of land. And so this is kind of interesting because if you have, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier, mountains, ridges, hillsides, and benches, that's where all our vineyards are, 98% of them. And so if you have a vineyard in the, in the true flat, 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 well, you're going to get a, you know, a, a vineyard. Let's say it's a 100-acre vineyard, as an example. Probably 95 of those acres are plantable. The other five are the roads because it's right. flat. Uh, if once you get into the, you know, the mountains and the hillsides, you know, only like one out of, of uh, three acres is plantable because the, you know, the hills are too steep. We have rules about that. Uh, we have to have our wildlife corridors, and mm-hmm. we, as a as a as a family rule, aren't into uh, cutting down trees. So we have to protect the trees. So it takes a a lot of a lot of uh, gross acreage to get your net acreage, which is a testament to to uh, our sustainability uh, part of our lives. You know, being kind to the animals, being kind to your neighbors and the people, and 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 the soil, and again. You know, saving and recognizing where you are and what's around you so that that spot is still a wonderful in a decade or 10 decades. Mm-hmm. So we do have a lot. That's also very critical because when you're making fine wines, you, you it's, it's nicer to have your own vineyard for sure because when as a winemaker and you go out and you're working with your vineyard manager and their team – and during the growing season, we do things like ask them to a green drop, which is may, maybe drop some of the clusters that are not turning, going through veraison, which is the color change and ripening, that they're a little latent. And so there's a lot of, you know, the red, purple colored clusters, and there might be a few green ones. It, it, it's easier to drop them when they're still green. That's called a green drop. So we'll ask them to do that. And then there's a lot of leafing to pull the leaves to let the grapes actually see the light of day a little bit and get a little bit more airflow. That's all critical. And so if they're your very own vineyards and you ask for something to be done, it'll be done, guaranteed. Right. Sometimes, you know, when, uh, sometimes when you're buying grapes and you ask for that, they'll do all that work while you're standing there. Uh, and then maybe, you know, shave back on a little bit when when you're not there. So, I mean, you can't get, uh, if there's an issue with a grape with us, it's it's our own fault. And, and we take it all quite, quite seriously, for sure. If you want something done right, do it yourself. Exactly. And that continues to, to, we, we, we don't custom process anything, which means you have a grape and you send it to some other winery that you don't own. We we own all the all the wineries. We process all of our own uh, grapes. We ferment everything ourselves, and it leads right up into the the barrel part. You know, we are we are effectively 
you know, owning our barrel operation from the French side, and then our, the same family that we're working with um, uh, on the barrels, uh, we purchase our American oak uh, from them too. So it's you know oh. two great families, uh, the Boswell family out of Missouri, uh, World Cooperage, Independent Stave, mm-hmm. and so. Now they're and, and they're a sustainable group too, and then we've worked so closely with them over the past. You know, I've been here twenty, twenty, eight-ish years, and we've been working with them this whole time on just how to, you know, how to toast a barrel, how to improve the toasting of a barrel, and we have over a hundred ways to toast a barrel to get different wow. flavors and nuances. And we and we, you know, whether you want the chocolate tones, the coffee tones, the smoky tones, the, the light. Um, Sort of nutty bread doughy tones or what have you, and then it, the, the, those that oak goes all the way back to its its source, just like a grape. In France, on the French oak, you have different forests, like different appellations within the country of France: you know, Allier, Navarre, Limousin, and then within those areas, you have your grain tightness. And and then how long after you you know harvested that tree, and you cut it and you split it and you and you uh, grade it, and then you store it there for in, in France as a stave, which is it takes about 30 to 32 staves. A stave is like a piece of wood that's roughly one inch thick by three inches wide, just on average, and a, almost a meter in length. So those little, they're like a small two by four, basically, and they're stacked in, in, in stacks of a, a cubic meter or two or three. And uh, and then you're over you're aging them in the outdoors of France. So you've got the sort of the microbial fauna going on there. You have to have a minimum of two winters in the rain, maybe three, and that bleaches wow. out the rough cannons. I mean, there's a whole art to to just making a barrel. And so it's you know where does it come from, and the and and and, and, and the grading and the aging of that oak. And then bringing it to America and how you how you toast it, and so we're we're not obviously a little nuts. It's showing about about all of that. <laughs> as crazy as we are about the barrels, we are about the the, the grapes. And of course, yeah. to do all of that, we have a spectacular team of people, which results in this wonderful Chardonnay that I'm sipping on. Um, I, I you mentioned trees and forests, and all. I have to ask about the wildfires. What's happening with those and around your vineyards and the winery and everything in California? We're hearing a lot about the wildfires there. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Well, uh, no vineyards have burned and no wineries have burned, to my knowledge. Uh, a lot of the fires are in areas kind of kind of inaccessible, so they're not right by uh, the you know right on top of us. I mean, some are very close for sure. But they're just about out, and and I th- I think you know when when the when the dust settles or the smoke settles, you know, we've done a lot of analysis to date and realized that well you know those fires you know everybody was like running and and freaking out, it's it's not the end of the world. The the vineyards are in in in, in good shape. Uh, the grapes coming in are looking good, especially the Chardonnay. But yes, California has had its its fair share of wildfires. It's a really unique year because the fire uh-huh. normal fire season is, is later, so it's it's caught a lot of people by surprise. But it's quite similar to the the hurricane season 
And you think, well, what's a hurricane have to do with, with wine? Well, they've had like 11 or 12 hurricanes already declared, and hurricane season has just barely started. So yeah. you never know what's going to happen. But it's these hurricanes, the ones that, you know, they kind of start off the coast of I think Africa and kind of work their way over, and then they they will come up and they'll either hit the east coast or they'll hit the the west side of the gulf and maybe you know scoot over uh, mexico and then go down or not down but up towards cabo cabo san lucas in that area and then they kind of peter out but from cabo where you know if you had the eye in cabo and you look at it on a map that the effect of that hurricane and the clouds and what it does to the weather has an effect for like a thousand miles up yeah. and that end of that thousand miles or so is right about where we are. And so you'll, you'll get these, you know, you'll have some high humidity days or you'll have some freak lightning, which is really what uh, started some of the fires here. Uh, oh. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, PG and E uh, like has happened in, in years <laughs> past in so past, far, yeah. but it's really, really mother nature. But, but we're all very resilient, and we are we are harvesting like crazy, and and we are jazzed about the quality of the of the wines, uh, the ensuing wines. So we are we're happy folks. That's good to hear. Speaking of hurricanes, uh, you know, I'm I'm in Florida. Mike and I are both here in Florida, and we are looking at five of them setting out in the Atlantic right now. Five hurricanes or five beginning hurricanes, but today. The 10th of September is actually classified as the peak day for hurricanes every year. So, just, oh, it is uh, okay. Yeah, something else to add to your repertoire there because September the 9th or September the 10th is usually the peak of hurricane season, and then it'll taper from here. So, we hope so. But with five uh, hurricanes out in the Atlantic, it's not good. So. Uh, you no, know. and we watch that. All, believe it or not, you know, we're all us, all us winemakers uh, tend to become, you know, uh, a backseat uh, weathermen. Oh, yeah. During this time of the year, we're watching everything because you just never know what's going to happen, and and you're dealing with Mother Nature, uh, which you know she, you don't want to cross her, that's for sure. But I tell you, it's Mother Nature giving you a, a card hand, but it's always <laughs> challenging. And that's what makes all of this so exciting because every year is a little bit different. Yeah. She's, she is definitely a cruel mistress. I'll tell you when it, when it comes to weather, Mike and I were just talking <laughs> before the show about some of the winds that have hit areas and the heats and stuff like that. And it's just uh, amazing. I've uh, talked to wineries around the country and some of the heat that they're getting down in Southwest there is, has to be frying, uh, the grounds and the vineyards and everything. Yeah, we've we've had two heat events uh, here. Did you? I think two and a half two and a half weeks ago, and this last uh, weekend. And fortunately, you know, it, it, it's it's it got warm. That's for sure. But the grapes are really smart. The <clears> grape, uh, it it. It, um, you know, it's when it's going, you know, photosynthesizing normally during the day and the temperatures are right, everything's great and it's happy. But when it hits, like, I think it's 95, and I'm not going to go out on a limb and say this is 100% correct, but it's right around 95 
and change. You know, the grape realizes, wow, it's getting a little warm. And on all of their, all of their leaves, they have this, these little tiny holes. You can't really see them called stomata. And that's where they do their respiration, transpiration, <laughs> air in, CO2 out and back and forth like that. And so they, they close down and basically oh. like going into a huddle. And so, cause they realize that they can't, they can't deal with that warmth. And so they kind of close themselves off and, and just sort of hover there. And so that's a, that's an interesting little tidbit about how a grape protects itself in the, in the extreme uh, heat. And so if it has, you know, the water and the soil and you've got, you know, your vineyard managers that truly understand, you know, how to deal with all that and who have, have water in that soil for that vine that's becoming quite thirsty, uh, then they'll, they'll be happy. But then they shut down, and then when the temperatures drop back down, they get back into their, you know, growing mode and photosynthesizing mode and, and, uh, and formulating their – or creating their, uh, their sugars. Oh, so a little grapevine is the most amazing, amazing – uh, plant in the world. In fact, another little interesting tidbit, and I don't know if you even wanted to go down this path, but during uh, the late spring, when you're in bloom, the, the vines are in bloom, the little baby clusters are in bloom. Mm-hmm. Um, that is when the it, you know you've got a, a shoot that's probably three feet or four feet long already that came out of one bud, and that basal bud on that shoot is, if it's a nice, wonderful bloom period, is formulated, forming the cane and the fruit for the next year. Uh-huh. And so then after, you know, the growing season is over and your harvest is over and they go dormant, and then you do your pruning uh, and you can, you, and you prune like each little spur down to two buds or a cane to maybe seven, eight, nine buds. Uh, if you were to take a little razor blade and slice that little bud in half and look at it under a microscope or a really strong um, uh, magnifying lens, you'll see in that little bud the whole next year's growth and shoot in the cluster right there. <laughs> Grapevines are absolutely the most amazing thing. Oh, without question. They are. They seek water. They close up. They protect their babies. They do. You know, it's amazing The what a grapevine will do. So, um, are you harvesting now? Are you finished harvesting? Are you halfway through? What's going oh, on with no, harvest? Far from it. But we are just getting getting going. We're not even going. We're not even at full speed yet. We just wow. are sort of tiptoeing around down in Santa Barbara, you know, a couple little blocks of Pinot. We did a test pick. Uh, two days ago on some Chardonnay just to kind of see how it would go. And we'll probably start up lightly in Santa Barbara next week. And then another week and a half, we'll be going probably fullish speed. Monterey won't be for another three weeks. Wow. Uh, We are going full speed with Sauvignon Blanc up in Lake County and Semillon up there. And we are going full speed with Pinot Noirs in the Russian River area. And Anderson Valley, we're just getting started, and we'll be going pretty quick up there uh, this next week. And then the Bordeaux program, kind of, it just depends on where you are and the elevation of the vineyards. But it's, it, it usually falls after the Pinots and, and things like that on the north coast. Our Chardonnay that comes out of Mendocino County, we're probably going to, you know, we've done a few little picks hither and heather, but we're going to get that going next week. This is only the 10th of September and, and we usually go till you know November 
one, two, three, four, or five. So oh, we're on so, a yeah. normal path. Well, I've talked for, to some for a normal year. Someone reason that you know they're already deep into harvest, and that's why it surprised me that you are just at the beginning. Um, I don't. It's just because we have so many different areas. If we only made wine right here in the Russian River, we'd be deep into it for sure. But you uh, have to kind of look at it more strategically and broad, broad based for, uh, for Kendall Jackson. Yeah, because you have so much and all that too. Yeah, that that is understandable. Mike, do you have any questions uh, for Randy here? Uh, not at this time. Maybe uh, we could cover something about shipping. I mean, obviously you're available pretty much everywhere. I'm guessing, but um, we could cover the uh, you know where where you're distributed at at least. Let us know how and where we can are order we it online. Well, well, you know because. Uh, uh, if, if you can't find our wines at your local store, uh, the, the Vintners Reserve and Grand Reserve is usually kind of found in you know, retail shops and grocery stores. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the sort of the smaller ones are more of the more sort of fine, fine wine shops. Um, mm-hmm. Please just, uh, you can pretty much order our wine at kj.com and get online uh, uh, there and, or our wine store, uh, but uh, kj.com, and they'll have everything mm-hmm. there, and it can be shipped right to your house post haste. Is there restrictions on states? And a lot, of, and a lot of, I don't mean to interrupt, but a lot of the, the smaller, more sort of boutique, uh, high, uh, fun, uh, elite vineyard designates that, that aren't across America, uh, that that's how you would get them. And, and then if you want to, you, know, you can also join our our wine club and get all kinds of goodies that way and come out and visit, please. Uh, again, you know, to the Kendall Jackson wine, wine estates and gardens uh, to do a food and wine pairings. Of course it's by reservation now uh, and it's outside, but we have a beautiful areas to, to try these wines. And we actually have monthly uh, dinners for like a hundred people, of course, not at the same table, but, uh, <laughs> but in the, it, in the gardens, uh, that's really a lot of fun because you're sitting right in the middle of the garden, and, and unless it's meat, uh, everything that's on your on your plate came from that garden. That more, more than likely, you know, that afternoon it was picked or harvested. So wow. there's a lot of fun wow. things. So I highly suggest to anyone and everyone just for just for the fun of it, go to kj. Uh, kj.com and and just start you know, exploring that site and see what all we do. And you'll see all the, the, the characters behind the scenes there. Uh, and we've got characters. <laughs> <laughs> all fun, all wonderful. Do you uh, <laughs> ship to every state? Well, now that's a legal question. I'm not going to get caught by that one. Uh, no, I just, that's uh, a question for KJ.com. <laughs> okay. well, but, uh, you know, most I mean, of them. Most most states, okay. I, I know yeah, there's some yeah, that the you can't, you won't. Yeah, I understand that completely because some states are very anal about it. But yeah, I I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, the more the majority, and 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 uh, they'll they'll tell you straight away if you're you know if you can't or not. But we we hope that you live in a state that we can. Yeah. And you know, again, well, that's definitely where you guys are. We can ship pretty much anything. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, Florida is, is good about that. I mean, we can receive just about anything from anybody from anywhere. So we're always right, happy right. about that. Yeah, uh, so. ship you everything but the kitchen sink. That's it. That's it. Yeah, and then you know, as long as you break it down and just give the sink and the faucet separate, you can ship that too. So um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else, Randy? You want to point out or, or mention before we let you go back to work tonight? Well, I just want to thank uh, everyone, uh, you know, for their support, and and we just got actually we're sort of launching something very special uh, before I called in uh, the uh, grocery workers relief fund with the United way that's you know, launching today. Uh, and I, I would like to say thank you to anyone and everyone on the grocery store uh, front uh, that we love you. And we appreciate everything that you've done out there. You said you go to Publix. Um, I thought, um, or maybe I just yeah. dreamt that. No, Publix but, but, yeah. But, you know, when you go back and you think about, you know, this whole COVID thing and how everybody was told to stay home and don't go out, you know, but, okay, great. Everything's closed. You can't go up. How are we going to eat? How are we going to eat and drink? And so, (laughs) you know, it's all the folks in the grocery stores that, you know, they were so strong and, 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 and just went to work knowing that they were at risk you know, with all these other people coming in and they just did it and, 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 and helped everyone, you know, get through this, this whole uh, event. So, you know, our, our thanks to, to everyone uh, in all the stores for their, their, not only their support, but just being there for everyone uh, on the front line. I mean, that is so, uh, such an amazing, uh, an amazing effort, an amazing thing. We're, we're grateful a lot of the distributors in the country are, are, are a part of this, and and uh, it's kind of a really neat thing. So it's never been done before. Uh, but if you're uh, if you work for the grocery store, go to the United Way and check them out and see what they've got in store for you. But on that front, you know, I just want to thank everybody for their support of Kendall Jackson and our little old family-run winery. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We have a, a great time out here, but we always put quality first. And that is proven over and over again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Their yes. website, KJ and United Way launch Grocery Workers Relief Fund. By 2030, they hope to raise $2 million. So you all can go on there and donate to that. Uh, if you want to, again, go to KJ.com, and it will get you to that screen there. And you can help the grocery workers out there and all the hard work they put in to keep us fed during the COVID crisis. Um, yeah, I think they're at a half a million already, and it's all. Are they? Yeah, that's that's uh, just before I called you, and um, the uh, it's just a testament to to uh, uh, to all the folks in the grocery stores, you know, who put their lives on the line to help everyone else. I mean, that's just an amazing, an amazing effort. It is, mm-hmm. and it's it's a testament to humanity too. So. Uh, if you all want to donate uh, the last million, go to their website and go from there. Plus, their website's got a lot of stuff on it. I've cruised through it a few times, and it's it's very comprehensive. So check it out and check out yeah, the wines and all that stuff. You can check out the wines, how to make wine, uh, you know, how, how, to, how to cook various dishes, what to pair with what. 
I mean, it's it's like its own mini little library of of, yeah, of, it of is. wealth of information. It is really a lot of information on there. Each drop down box has a whole bunch of information to that too. So, so check that out, Randy. Thank you so much for taking the time out tonight to talk with us. It was extremely enjoyable and very educational. I I enjoyed it. I'm sure Mike did. And uh, we we uh, you are on my go-to list the next trip I make to California, and hopefully you'll be able to see you face to face, be it with a mask or without. So <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping without. I look forward to that, and uh, we'll welcome you with with open arms. Thank you very much again, and have yourself a good rest of your day out there. Uh, You too. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Thank you. Uh You too now. Bye. Bye. Hit the X there. Well, very very enjoyable. Uh, That was. That was very educational. He had a lot of information there. Wow. Um, a lot of a lot of things. Kendall Jackson's been around for a long time. It was seventy I have to say seventy five or seventy six that I first visited them. And it was up in Lake County. It wasn't where they are now. It was, you know, a wow. young upstart winery and I went up there and visited them. And we bought some Chardonnay. But, you know, I mean it was that period of time ago it's hard to remember. I have a hard time remembering two days ago, let alone, you know, 35 years. (laughs) Very, very interesting. I I love that interview. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, He has to be around the same age as I am, too. I mean, I didn't ask, but in fact, his picture is probably on the Kendall Jackson website, so I can probably find it. Since I know hmm. who I'm looking for now, I can probably see see him. Other times yeah, he, I've never. Yeah, he's under uh, you go our story and people. If you go to our story and then the uh, people image, that it uh, he's he's at the top of the list there. So you'll see uh, so people and okay, there it is, and there he is. Yeah, he's he's. Old like me. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good, but he has uh, he has quite a resume in his life that he's been through. That's great. Oh, yeah. so, you know, and being in Chile during the coup, I can imagine that would hmm. that would be an interesting interesting time there. So yeah. Uh, uh, where are we at? Time was I don't even know what time. Uh, oh, ten after. Ten wow. after. Ten after. Yeah. Ten after. Right. So you um, know we got other shows coming up. So stay tuned with us and all that stuff and uh, other uh, yeah. guests and everything coming in the future. And if you know anybody that would like to be on the show that is associated with the wine business, get in touch. <laughs> Preferred. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Definitely prefer some. I'm kind of a <laughs> well. I make no. bicycles, and, uh, <laughs> and I drink wine doing it. No, that doesn't that doesn't oh, qualify. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you have uh, unless you have anything else to uh, catch nope. us up on, we'll uh, 
call it a show and and be back uh, next uh, Thursday, uh, the September September the seventeenth. <laughs> wow! Don't blink, it's almost over already. So, uh, That's right. You know, September maybe quick. it'll be better <laughs> next year. Yeah. So yep. oh. <laughs> we'll see you at uh, seven p.m. Eastern time right here on blog talk radio which is our main feed or we're also on facebook and twitch so you can catch our if you're on facebook and twitch you're, there's a a little scroll thing and a little graphic in the background it's it's a little more more to see than on blog talk radio but um it's okay uh, blog talk radio is where our main show comes from so thank and, you very and much we'll, archive uh, and all that too mm-hmm. you can always check us oh, out yeah. on archive we just don't know where those archives are uh, That's true. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of places that carry us. I we have see. no idea all of them. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you know, if you're if you're listening mm-hmm. to us from some other format, then hey, good for you. You know, just yeah. we appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, of course, all the shows are on Blog Talk Radio too, so you can you can always go back on there. Um, thank you, thank you again for tuning in. Thank you to our uh, guest uh, for um, enlightening us with. Uh, with his uh, information and talk and everything. Really appreciate that. Learned a lot. And um, we'll see you all next week. Have a, have a great week and a safe weekend. Thank you very much. Be safe. All right. Thank you. (laughs) This concludes tonight's broadcast of all about wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to all about wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, Visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. I would like to thank Blog Talk Radio for not disconnecting my that was pretty good. Yay! Yay! Made it for Osho. I made it to the Osho. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, that was good. Are we still? Oh, we're still on Blog Talk Radio. Look at that. They're still listening. Okay. They're still listening to us. Yeah. Oh well. All right. I just had to had to thank them. Yeah. I've had issues. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're disconnected from uh, Facebook. Yes. All those are good. Okay. Back back okay. to uh I, I suppose we can go in the green, green room. Yeah. There we go. We'll see. All right. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.